Welcome everybody to another Off the Circle. Uh, we have two special guests in the in the studio today, uh, but our main guest is Patrick Durfline from Burn and Bet. entrepreneurs and business people learn from their experience and expertise and have some laughs along the way off the circle the indianapolis business scene as you've never heard it before well, welcome everybody to another off the circle uh let's we should probably go around the table we got a couple of special guests in here so let's go with the well, let, let's go with the co-hosts first all right harry howe with how leadership pleasure to be back again doug and our mystery guest? Uh, Brad Shoemaker with Creative Zombie Studios. <laughs> it's not a mystery anymore. <laughs> not anymore. <laughs> and then Patrick, welcome. Patrick Durfline with Burn and Bet Sports app. So I, uh, we were chatting before the show, and this show is definitely about Patrick and Burn and Bet, but it's a, it's a pleasure to have Brad in the studio just because uh, this studio probably wouldn't sound as good and be here if it wasn't for Brad Shoemaker. So See, you that's why you give have me your, too much credit. But... That's why I have your picture on the wall. <laughs> <laughs> the little tiny thing that nobody can even... Yeah. <laughs> we share the same IBJ article. Unfortunately, he gets the big picture. <laughs> I'm a bigger guy. That's why. That's true. <laughs> well, uh, we always like talking about, um, you know, uh, the the stories that you don't hear anywhere else. And I met Patrick, what, probably six months ago here? Yeah, at least. Six months ago here at the at the speakeasy, and we hit it off right away. And as usual, um, Patrick's a vet, so it, it always seems like veterans pop up in my in my um, in my rearview mirror every once in a while we're magnetized to each other yeah, somehow i think so but patrick has one hell of a story uh that's really cool and i think um incredibly inspiring out there to entrepreneurs so um maybe first start about your military history and 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 how that ended up it ended up poorly right <laughs> <laughs> i ended up um blowing out my back um severely and of course went to the army doctors and they pumped me full of pills and told me to jump back in it and that's what I did um, so years later my back finally gives out um, I have secondary damage in my legs uh, chronic nerve damage from it um, so as I was working everything just kept getting worse and worse and then finally um, went in and had two back surgeries and I was out of work so I started using my GI Bill and went back to college so I could at least get that uh, per diem. And, and, t and tell people what your background was in. Oh, water and wastewater treatment. Yeah, wastewater yeah. treatment. So. <laughs> I, I had just gotten out of the military, and um, my ex-wife was from Georgia, so we moved back there. And um, I ended up getting a D DUI. Oh, no. So And I had to perform community service for this small town, and the manager was the head of the wastewater plant and it just fascinated me you know I never knew where toilet water went when you flushed the toilet it just disappeared in the cosmos or something I'm not sure so I started asking several questions and the half the day goes by and he goes hey you might want to go pick up some trash or something you know and do your community service and you know no problem uh, the next day I come back I was asking a few more questions and he said hey do you want a job and he offered me a job, and I'm like, yeah. So, and then I'm, he sent me to school, and I got certified um, in water and wastewater treatment, and I was doing that for 
17 years before my back finally gave out. And then a total left turn. Total left turn. Yeah. Um, I was the kind of guy that I would open up my computer, write essays, you know, for my college classes, or I'd look up something on Google, and I would shut my computer. And uh, one night I was, I left my house to pick my daughter up from ballet class, and I had an ideal just pop in my head for a sports app. And um, I give God credit for that because uh, I'm not Einstein. I don't sit around and bubble up equations because I'm bored. <laughs> yeah. You know, if I get bored, I, you know, I'll scratch my butt or, you know, watch TV or something, flip the channels a thousand times. Um, but I got, I had this awesome ideal. And then I started researching what made good apps, what made bad apps, um, what apps made money, why they made money and all that good stuff. And I just started putting everything together and um, found a couple people that, believed in what I was doing and uh, they invested and we got the app built and now we're we're hoping to launch version two of it in a couple weeks and uh, we have a previous show where we actually had John Qualls on uh, from 1150 yes. Academy but you went through 1150 Academy right? I did yeah. um, part of the agreement between the the people that was actually putting cash involved um, was that I would go through the school, yeah. learn how to code, and their cash paid for the Android side of the app, and my skills would do the Apple side of the app. Yeah. So oh. that instead of, because I didn't have the cash to put in, yeah. you know, to a startup, but I had equity, sweat equity, that I was able to put into it. Yeah. And do my part for for the business. So. Tell us a little bit, uh, Patrick, about uh, being here at the Speakeasy and, uh, you know, being a vet and maybe a generation uh, beyond some of the folks that uh, populate the Speakeasy <laughs> and, and uh, that experience. That's actually a pretty cool story within itself um, because yeah, I'm 46 years old and I know everything, <laughs> but I don't know Facebook. But I thought I did, and um, I thought once I posted something, you know, my thousand friends would see it, and they would share it, and that's how I was going to grow the app. You know, it was magic. We, yeah, we didn't yeah. have, we did, you know, there was no money in the budget for marketing, you know. It was all going to be this grassroots effort that I was building. Um, so I learned real fast that I just got my butt literally handed to me and uh, in today's world. Yeah. So as I was looking around trying to find out what I was doing wrong, I ended up meeting Carla Taylor, Jeremy Miller from yeah. uh, Idealvise, and um, that's kind of how I got indoctrinated into the Speakeasy and and everybody else is you know through them because I got my butt kicked and I was looking at I was looking how I could rebound from it and and do things right. So that's awesome. I learned about the speakeasy from Carla and Jeremy through Ideal Vise, and that's how I met you. And then yeah. you started um, the Vet Warriors or Warrior yep. Vets. Yep. Tech um, Warriors. Yep. And there's the, the price you guys gave. You know, was just phenomenal. I had to. Yeah. You speakeasy know, does a twenty-five dollar a month for veterans. Yeah. You know, how could you pass that up? Yeah. You know, you got a place to come, network with people, and you know. And beer beer bourbon <laughs> and you know, you know what? the right people and yeah. when it comes to like social media and stuff this is a perfect place to be because 
uh, I can't tell you, like I built X103 and Q95 and WNDE's um, first Facebook pages. And, you know, we grew them to, you know, massive amounts of people, yeah. but that was nine years ago, 10 years ago, 11 years, I don't even remember. And I know that what we did back then bears nothing to what you do today to it's build the nothing, app. Yeah. Um, the algorithms yeah. have changed, everything. So even even I, who kind of you know knows what I'm doing in the social space, I don't really know what I'm doing in the social space. It's always nice to have refreshers from people who have come up behind you that actually you know, are more, they use it differently than what I used yeah. it. And learning that process from people like that, I mean, that's the great thing about co-working <laughs> spaces like the Speakeasy and the fact that you have access to people that are 46 year old building you know your your app for the first time and people who have just come through college so it's a wide range of what, what was truly funny was i was now taking advice from a high school student mm -hmm. about running my business and it was just it was so humbling of what was truly going on today in business what you got to do and how you get connected through Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and all that stuff. Um, you know, I basically, I had to just had to sit down, wipe a couple tears off of my eyes <laughs> and listen to this 17, 18 year old kid that's still in high school. Mm -hmm. And here I am, I've been around the world. I've shot things that most people can't even hold. I've drove tanks that, you know, most people are scared to even look mm -hmm. at, you know, and I have to step back and, you know, just realize, you know, today is a different, new world, yeah. you know, and it, and if you don't take advice from some of these people that are growing up in the world that actually truly know the system and the algorithms and things like that, you're going to be a lost ball in high weeds. I, uh, I love that we're talking about Jeremy Miller specifically too, because um, it was probably six months ago or something, I emailed him because I had seen one of his advertisements on uh, Facebook for Snapshift. Uh, he's been helping out Thor and, and Stephanie quite a bit with growing their app. And, um, and I saw one of his ads and it, and it puzzled me. And so I emailed him and I said, hey, wh why did you do this this way and what are you doing? And I think he was, I think, <laughs> I don't know what his, I don't know what he was thinking in the back of his head, but I'm sure he was thinking, oh, this smart ass marketing guy is questioning my way of doing, but I was literally serious. I was like, I really don't understand what your strategy is. And so he walked me through the strategy and it was like this multi-step. Basically I had, I had reached kind of the third point in a funnel, you know, that he had built out and everything, but it was that I, 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 I was asking because I was genuinely intrigued, you know, with what they were doing and you're right. You know, he, man, that, that he's, I he's owe, killing it. Yeah. I owe Jeremy so much. Um, it's, it's unbelievable. Um, and he, the, this 18, 19 year old, freshly graduated high school student is so busy. Yeah. You know, I couldn't pay him enough to help me. Yeah. Um, but he still takes the time to watch what I do. And if I do something stupid, he texts me right away. Hey, delete that. <laughs> you know, it, it, you know, so I always tell everyone. I'm glad I never told him, told him to do that with me. <laughs> well, I didn't tell him. He just did it. You know, so that's why I tell everybody he's my guardian angel when it comes to, you know, Facebook and things like that. And, uh, yeah, Jeremy's just, he is a beast. That's awesome. So you've been talking about two character qualities that I feel are especially important in entrepreneurs. One is humility and the other is curiosity. So you both just did a little tag team on those 
two key themes. Maybe Patrick share with us where you kind of acquired, how you acquired those two character traits of humility and curiosity. Those aren't necessarily things that we associate with the military, but I don't know. Well, no, really it is because we are trained failure is not an option. You know, we will take this hill. We will accomplish this mission. And in business, it's the same way. And when I realized that I was failing, you know, in my marketing scheme and, and how I used Facebook and, and things like that, I had to regroup. You know, the only time you truly fail is when you quit. So stepping back and regrouping and realizing that I was going at it completely wrong and learning and how to go about it right is where the humility comes in. But if I didn't have that attitude of, you know, failure is not an option, then I would have just stopped, you know, like, no, I don't know what I'm doing. And, oh, my goodness, it's all falling apart. You know, but that that military mentality is okay. is what gets you to to step back, to look at what's working, what's not working, and readjust. I tell people I think too the military was good at um, the not not the humility part, but you always had to finish the task at hand, right? Right. If I'm out in the middle of the ocean and being resourceful, yeah, the freshwater plant goes down. You got to figure out how to plant, fix it, whether you have supplies or don't have supplies, and 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 the second part of that is the you have to be resourceful, but you also have to really rely on your fellow crewmates, you know, out there. And I always thought that was an interesting thing that a lot of people think about the military and they don't think about that. But you're not afraid to ask for help in the military. In fact, you're you're like, hey, let's go conquer this, you know. And it's not this place where. You know, it's maybe people think it is just because of, you know, veteran movies and everything that one guy goes running up the hill and saves everything, <laughs> you know, but it's really not like that. Well, it's I think, not Hollywood. I was sure. going to say, I think, you know, just watching movies and stuff like that, we're all experienced at seeing military just, you know, sledgehammers everything. To, you know, that's that's the way. Right. It's one way. It's, you know, you're just going to shoot everything up until it's taken and in reality that's a much different you know and i've never been a military guy so i can't say that but i mean i know by talking to a lot of people it's a much different world out there you'd be surprised i i am genuinely surprised like uh, i had one one guy that was hitting me up online and he was very very negative about the military you know just murderers you know Mm -hmm. that's that's basically what his idea was and and i told him you know i i said well you know i was in this this operation and that operation, this operation, this humanitarian effort, that, and he was like, the military doesn't do humanitarian efforts. And I, and so I just pointed him, <laughs> there's a great Wikipedia page that literally has all of the U.S. military's humanitarian missions. And it's literally like 10 a year. You well, know? and even when it comes to, you know, I've, I've listened to enough podcasts and watched enough, you know, documentaries and stuff to know that even in Iraq and Afghanistan, stuff like that, most of what you're doing out there isn't, you know, shooting yeah, people. Right. It's going door to door, working with the people, uh, working with average citizens, just trying to make sure that they trust you, you trust them, yeah. and, you know, just trying to keep the peace that way as opposed to battering down doors. And you Yeah, know. I that's a perfect example because we had, uh, we did a podcast with uh, the guys that were, uh, they were in the worst firefights in Afghanistan. Uh, and they were they were here. I, for, I forget the name of the movie, um, but they they came out with a movie, and it was an incredible movie. 
um, and it was all live footage. The the their chaplain actually got to wire up hero, you know, cameras mm-hmm. to everybody, and uh, and that's exactly it. Is that the enemy weren't the people in the in the in the valley? Those were all farmers, right? And those were their friend, and they liked that the military was there because it kept the Taliban out and it kept the you know ISIS out. And so you're right that, you know, and so they're helping these people every single day and letting these people live normal lives. Meanwhile, you know, if we walked out of that valley, then they started killing people to show them who was boss and, and everything mm-hmm. else. And so, yeah, anyways. And, and well, yeah. and yeah. I mean, just one last thing, I guess, people have to remember to separate the politics from the actual people right. on the ground, because what we're doing, why we're there, things like that, that's all politics. Yeah. And if you don't agree with that, then you've got a chance to vote that differently. Yeah. But the military, the people that are there, they're just trying to survive and they're trying to it's, help the region. They're trying to do whatever they're supposed to. It's all volunteer force, right? Mm-hmm. Is yeah. you're there because you want to make things better. Right. Just well, remember, if we blow it up, we'll rebuild it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, and one, one final thought is, you know, we have, we were talking about the active service, but every state has its own, yeah. you know, reserve state, you know, National Guard or, or reserve. And when the, there's problems like a flood, who does the governor call for? Right, right. National Guard. Yeah. 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 And and um, so back on track with Patrick, I mean, that 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 foundation, I, I love that you acknowledged that that was definitely part of it. But but it, you I mean, I love what's inspiring about this to me is obviously, where's that accent from, by the way? My accent? Yeah. Are you, you're I saying was, you don't have an accent? No. I was, uh, <laughs> it really runs with the accent. I was born and raised right here on the south side of Indianapolis. Dang, man. It must have been south, south side. <laughs> <laughs> I did spend a lot of time in, in Brown County where my yeah. grandma and grandpa lived. Maybe it was the 17 years in Georgia or something? Um, it, it might be. I yeah. might have picked up something from <laughs> something awesome. from my ex-wife besides a uh, alimony bill. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> well, I, I just love that. You know, here you are. You you admitted. You know, you weren't a guy that opened the computer for anything. No. You know, and then the next next thing you know, you get an idea, and you go after it. You go get training. You know, and then and then start building out an app. And I. I'm curious, like now you have other developers working on both sides of the app, right? Yes. Yeah. I I think that's another intriguing part of this because I often see um, people get into the app business that that don't understand apps. They don't have any background in it. And I watch them, boys, they sink a lot of money. I think the average corporation is like $60,000 or something to build a mobile app and, yeah that's and, probably just enough to talk to them yeah <laughs> and and 99 of them fail like it's it's a terrible terrible number and um i'm curious what your thoughts are as far as how did going to like 1150 you know give you enough knowledge that now you're able to talk with your developers and and really you know understand what they're trying to do you know is that part of the success of of the app growth i think 100 percent, it yeah. is part of the growth um like if you had just come up with a bunch of investor money and went out and found folks that said they could build you an app <laughs> what would have the what would have that experience been like you know 
you know, I don't want to think about what that experience (laughs) would be because um, going through what I did go through and what I knew at the time was enough. And I'm still learning every day because everything's changing every day. Um, A year and a half ago when I built the first version of the app, we had to build an app for to handle Android devices and you had to build an app to handle Apple devices. Yeah. Well now, a year and a half later, there's a different language called React. Right. That handles both languages. Right. You know, so and outputs native to Yeah, do you, do yeah. you still continue to pay two different developers to handle two different operating systems or do you find a developer that knows how to do the new language and yeah, you know, that can handle both ways. But if you didn't know anything about mobile apps, you wouldn't even exactly. Yeah. So you know, it's pretty much anything you do, you got to smirk yourself into what you're doing. Yeah. Um, you got to keep up with the trends. You got to, um, you just got to stay in, keep your nose into everything that's going on in your field. Yeah. The other part of developers that I think sometimes is sometimes they think up problems that don't exist. Um, you know, I, I, I had the pleasure, incredible pleasure of working at exact target. Um, but a lot of, we threw a lot of code away, you know, there, and that's expensive, you know, to get a bunch of developers to work on stuff. And, and I feel like half the time it was that there might've been something like a react out there, but these guys, you know, weren't keeping up. And so they would just say, Oh, well, we're going to build our own X, Y, and Z. And I, I see that, um, I got a friend of mine now that. You know, he has a, a location-based system online, you know, and he spent thousands of dollars, which isn't that bad, but thousands of dollars with an, a, a developer. And I sh- and I threw up a <laughs> copy on a, on a staging area for him of $40 software that does it all. And I feel like that's sometimes where, do, where you can, if you don't have that innate knowledge of what's going on in the industry, it's not that you're making a, a bad decision. It's just that you're wasting time and money, yep. you know. And um, and if you just, the first thing I do is hit Google. Whenever I need anything, I I search and search and search and search. And Brad knows this. Oh, yeah. I get a hold of my friends and friends and friends. And I'm like, yeah. what do you think about this? What do you think about what this? What they have know? today uh, that they didn't have a year and a half ago when I first started this is um, companies have built blanket code. Right. Okay, you want this function in your app? Okay, here you go. Yeah. And it's already done for you, and yeah. you just pay for that blanket. Oh, you want this function? Okay, sure. Yeah. Um, the one difference about version two of my app is everything's being hand built by a eighteen-year-old kid. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> Straight out of high school. That's fantastic. And, and he's an absolute genius. If if I was to give anybody advice that's wanting to build an app. Um, the difference from version one and version two is the people I would first worked with, they listened to me. They wrote down everything I wanted. They gave me exactly what they wanted, well, what I wanted. Yeah. Version two, this young Gen Z kid just out of high school is putting himself out there with my thoughts oh, yeah, that's a great idea. Hey, and I can do this. Yeah. Hey, and I can do, make it do this. Right. Man, that's cool. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and we can do this. And he is putting himself out there and bringing so much more to the table yeah. that 
when version two comes out, if, if you pay attention to my app, version two is going to wipe the floor with version one. Nice. And the guys that built version one, um, a couple of them were considered top 10 in the state yeah. as programmers. And this, well, because they were great 18, programmers, 18, 19, 18, 19 yeah. year old kid, he's literally going to mop the floor with his work versus their work because he's putting so much more into him. So if you go talk to a company, don't just think that you've got the bestest idea in the world. Yeah. Get, I was going to say, you want a partner. You want somebody. Yeah. Get anybody that I work with, out. I typically want somebody who's going to tell me, um, yeah, that, that's good, but you could also do it this way instead and make it better or are you really sure that's the right way to go? And even if I decide, yes, it ultimately is, if they've got good reasoning, you know, it gives me a chance to question. And by questioning, I get a chance to figure out, is it exactly what I want to do? And if it is, then I know it's the right decision. Yeah. If it isn't, then great. They've saved me a lot of time and effort. And you get to build on it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and that's, to me right now, um, from version one to version two, that's the biggest difference that I've learned is, you know, opening yourself up, taking advice, taking uh, criticism or whatever, and and it's just night and day difference. But, and it sounds like, you know, to, to some extent, putting the pieces together, what you're talking about is the actual development is almost secondary to the process. That the, 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 the code's out there, everything's, everything's there waiting to get put together. But what you have to do is get it done from a human perspective, you've got to have that interaction right. Correct. And so it's it's so if if a developer just listens to say you know do what I say, you know they could be doing all the wrong things, but right. you told them to do it that way, so they're doing it that they're way rather exactly than exactly what you're paying for. Well, rather let's, than, let's face it, we live in an era where nearly anybody can code. Yeah. And whether it's good or bad, I mean, I'm not saying there's not <laughs> yeah. good coders and bad coders, right. but nearly anybody can code it's it's who's going to be able to know, see your I vision i mean that, yeah. that's proof of it right there. <laughs> who's who's going to see your vision and and help guide you through the right steps as opposed to you know just saying okay yeah. here's exactly what you wanted you ordered up a turd i gave you a turd yeah. you know that's <laughs> I, yeah. I have two projects going on right now uh uh, 120 water audit. Uh, I'm helping out. So wastewater. <laughs> it's not wastewater. It's on the it's on the beginning side of it. But uh, 120 water audit, and then Art to Remember is another client of mine, and uh, and I'm I'm really excited. Both companies uh, have decided to work with Innovate Map in town, and and that's Innovate Map is like you know they're I think they had three people with master's degrees in human computer interaction sitting at the table. In fact, that's where I'm going this afternoon. And I'm so excited to be sitting in that room with those brilliant people just because that's the hardest part is that process of it's not about what the outcome is. You know, it's that process of how are people going to engage with your platform and how is it going to be an optimal and, and with with mobile, I forget the. What is it? People try an app like two times before they delete it, or three Probably. times. I, I, it's, I think it's three. Yeah, it's yeah. it's incredible. Like, or even if they don't delete it, like my phone has a ton of apps on there that I never check, never right, use. Right, it's there. Yeah, it's but like it's, you use you use you know the maximum is like six apps that someone's in all day or something mm -hmm. like that. And so, with mobile applications, it's so critical that the experience be, you know, what you're doing right. Well, this will go back to what Brad said as far as, you know, having a good coder, bad coder, things like that. 
Um, I read an article once that if an app fails or you know shuts down on you twice, people are deleting it. Yeah. Oh yeah. So and you got two times. You got. Two, I really exactly. should have deleted Facebook by now. <laughs> <laughs> we all should have. <laughs> you got. You know, it, if you're getting out into the market, you've got two times to get it right. Yeah. You know, before you've lost that user. That's scary. And stuff. there's only so many users that's going to pick up your app. So, so let's talk about that, Patrick. Your user, you know, you and I were talking, this is definitely a labor of love for you. So who, who is that ideal user? Well, it, may, it may be, as you're talking about that, we, we've been teasing your app for 25 minutes now. <laughs> so we should, we, I mean, we told Should we every, tell people what it does? We, yeah, we told everybody who you were from, but let's, let's tell them who it was and who your users are. Well, pretty much the user is any sports fan. Yeah. Um, and basically what I've done different, um, you can talk sports on Facebook, you can talk sports on, uh, Twitter and anywhere else, but those places are so PC driven. Yeah. Um, a lot of people are afraid to have fun. You know, they're afraid to get a little, little vocal and, and, and their verbiage, if you yeah. will. Yeah. Um, Whereas sports is the exact opposite, right? Exactly. Yeah. Where sports is the exact opposite, and nobody gets butt hurt because you said this about their guy. Yeah. Because they're just horsing around and they're talking trash, and that's what sports does. You know, like, it. I give that platform, and I I highly encourage the trash talking. Yeah. We put a social feed on the on, on the app that's called the trash feed, and. It only allows trash talking. No <laughs> politics, no Hollywood drama, no cat yeah. videos, you know, none of that stuff that everybody sees every day on their other feeds. This is just sports and trash talking. Yeah. That's awesome. That's it. I mean, and, and so people can select their teams that they love. That you're right. That's another thing we did is uh, we streamlined everything. Yeah. So if you've used other um, sports apps out there, you kind of got to scroll through a ton of crap to find the Colts score. Yeah. You know, because you're working and you don't get to watch the game, but you want to keep up with the score. Um, you can load your favorite teams up in the app. The app tracks those teams. You hit one button and it shows you that team's entire schedule. Oh, nice. And if there's a game in progress, it gives you up to the minute scores. And that's where you can trash talk. Well, you can trash talk there as well. Because... <laughs> What I've learned from Facebook and Twitter and things like that, the fan bases individualize themselves. Yeah. You know, okay, this is a Colts fan page. Okay, but I'm a Bears fan and I want to come in and I want to talk to you guys. I want, you know, <laughs> I, want you talk, I want to talk trash with, you know, some other sports minded people. Are they people. still a team? <laughs> <laughs> they are still a team. <laughs> but you go into that site. You get browbeated yeah. until you're out because yeah. you're not a Colts fan. Right. So where's the interaction? Where's the social and sports anymore? Because everybody's individualizing themselves. And what my app does is we actually bring the two fan bases together. So any game you pick, you can go into a private chat room, and it's got the two fan bases with the scores still available yeah. on there. And it's designed for those two fan bases to just gnaw at each other and have fun. 
<laughs> well, and, and you've also got a feature where you can put your money where your mouth is. Tell us about exactly. that. Exactly. That's the yeah. We talked about the burn side. That's the second part of the name of the app. Um, you know, in sports, somebody's always running their mouth. Yeah. Andrew Luck's the greatest quarterback. He's gonna whoop your tail. Da 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 da. All right, put your money where your mouth is. It's the only way to shut them up in real life. So in our app, we put betting component into it using virtual money called Burn Bucks. Yeah. So when you download the app, the app gives you so much burn bucks, and when you run out, you can go back and buy more. And yeah. Just keep betting away. And you got like a leaderboard and everything? If we don't okay. yet. Um, and it's not going to be in version two either, just because we've got so much other stuff. Yeah. Because in version two, we're adding NCAA football, basketball, oh, nice. um, WNBA, MMA, Canadian Football oh, League. Wow several soccer leagues there's a lot of other sports that we're trying to get the app to incorporate um before we do the little yeah little things that everybody likes yeah um you know like the leaderboards draft boards yep. uh you know those those are big things in in the sporting world that people just enjoy doing yeah this is my this is my draft board and this is who i think yeah this person this person this team's going to pick you know what we're building it won't happen this year, of course, but in the future, you can bet on your on your draft board. That's so awesome. So you you're going to pick 32 teams and and pick a couple of players you think that these teams are going to pick, and then you can bet each other and how many ever picks you get right versus how many other picks everybody else gets right. You can win that bet. Nice. And another thing we're wanting to incorporate is a uh, online clothing or apparel store. So you will have somewhere to go with your virtual money. Oh, cool. So you win bunches of bets. You can go to the virtual oh, store that's a great and get idea. you a jersey or a hat, things like that. So I'm currently looking for someone to partner with yeah. me to that, you know, runs apparel and, you know, jerseys, T-shirts, hats, things of that nature. All right. Well, you heard it out there, Andy. Um, somebody somebody come to the rescue on this one. Yes. Um, and, and then uh, where can people find the... Uh, find your site and app at. You, By the way, you have a beautiful logo there on your shirt. Oh, thank and you. Hat. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and all those people that's listening, you can actually see it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but um, you can you can go to the App Store or iTunes and just type in "burn" uh, the and sign bet, or you can type it all out: burn and a and d bet. Awesome, man! And it pulls it up right there. Well, Patrick, you're—it's uh, an inspiring story. So, well, thank you. Uh, you know, it's guy with a broken back that <laughs> you know that that gets out of the army, goes and does waste <laughs> water. Waste water. And and well, and I then, told my grandma this is funny. When I first got into wastewater treatment, I came home for the holidays or something. My grandma asked me what I did. I said, "Well, I'm a turd herder, Grandma." <laughs> And she said, what the hell is that, boy? And I just busted out laughing. I had to tell, explain to her what wastewater treatment so was. So there you go. So from, from, from grunt to turd herder to mobile to, app. To tech entrepreneur mobile. Here. <laughs> you heard it here. See, I said these are the stories that you're not going to hear in Indianapolis. Yeah. So j just think about what headline that would have been in the Indy Star. What would you have put to that? <laughs> turd herder makes good. Yeah. <laughs> Well, no, thank you uh, for being on the show. I appreciate you having me. And, uh, and Brad, thanks for coming down. Oh, this absolutely. Is fantastic. We need to do more with Brad on. 
Um, and uh, and Brad, promote your show too. Let everybody know where. I don't have a show. You know <laughs> that. I produce everybody else's show. Um, I'm a studio like like Doug Cars. Yeah. Uh, it's Creative Zombie Studios. We're in an old firehouse on the northwest side of town, and um, our clients include Christy Lee from the Bob and Tom Show. Uh, Ed Rudazel, uh, who owns Black Market, Rook, and Siam Square Restaurants, and uh, several others that uh, we just produced their podcasts and, you know, try to create for uh, brands and stuff like that yeah. as well. So creativezombie.com. Awesome. So I get to be on those shows too. Yeah. <laughs> we can try. Sweet. <laughs> and Harry? You can find me at uh, Harry at How Lead, and uh, uh, I work with entrepreneurs become victims of their own success so uh, if that's you come and reach out to me thanks everybody if you're an indianapolis based professional and would like your story to be heard on off the circle contact us at offthecircle.com while you're there be sure to subscribe to our podcast and leave us a glowing review off the Circle is recorded at DK New Media's podcast studio at the Speakeasy in downtown Indianapolis.